This show is part of the WND Podcast Network. If you'd like to check out more shows from WND, please head to our website at wndpress.com backslash podcast to see our current lineup. Like, I mean, we were similar. We had something together, like this. You know what I mean? We thought alike, we felt the same way. But you, fuck you. So I listened to Age of Quarrel the other day, and that shit sucks. <laughs> okay. Tell me specifically what you think sucks about one of the most landmark, legendary, hardcore punk rock records that influenced so many other things. You tell me what specifically you didn't like about it. It's so mid. What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Dude, it is is just genuinely not good. Like, so here's what I did. I, so Chris, Chris, Chris told me, he asked if I had listened to it yet. And and that day I was like, you know what? I haven't listened to it yet. So I'm going to go listen to it. And I listened to it and I fell asleep listening to it because Dude, it there's, was no, so, way there's uh, no way that's possible. It's 100% possible because it is uh, uh boring ass. As they say on on uh, it, it's just not it's not good it's not good. I get why people like it. I get why it's important. I get that, but it is just not good. So you're gonna tell me? Yes, I am. That that uh-huh. da, 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 the we gotta know intro, which is Boring. is 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 as classic as the eye against eye intro. You're gonna tell me that you hear that and it doesn't make you want to find the nearest living thing and kill it. Well, it does, but not for the reasons that it makes you want to do that. It makes me do that because it makes me angry that it exists. Uh, malfunction. Blech. Seriously. Seriously. Life of my own. Blech. Survival of the streets. <sighs> Show no mercy. Nah. You're, you are such a, like, a plebeian. You're just a... You're, you're, you, 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 I don't even know what kind of word to call you right now. It's like saying that you hate Faulkner or something. It's like Faulkner's boring too. (sighs) No, here's my thing about it. Here's my thing about it is I just like better music than that. (laughs) It's just, it's just not like anything that, that it doesn't, it doesn't, elicit anything in me like it doesn't make me feel any sort of way it doesn't like it doesn't resonate with me it doesn't like nothing about it interests it's me it's not there's nothing it is the stuff legendary legend. shakespeare These is legendary fucking, and nobody kids. gives shit about oh boo who they were fucking kids and they made this fucking thing that redefined a sound they did, did it, it better than agnostic front did it they just like they took all that grime and grease and all those burning tires of Scorsese's New York and they just they just fucking ripped it out and they just did like the most legendary fucking hardcore record that has no. ever existed. No. I have two Age of Quarrel shirts and I am a grown man and I think hardcore is stupid. That that record has a collective IQ of 20. Okay, well we're getting nowhere with this. We're getting nowhere with this. I'm just letting you know. I need you to know that. I need you to know where I stand. And where I stand is anywhere where Age of Quarrel is not. 
It's the and it's just like it's the one record that everybody can agree on because like no, best wishes. I get that people can't agree on best wishes because it's like it's kind of weird, but it's still good. Near death experience. Who gives a fuck? But it, all right, Age of Quarrels a snoozer. <sighs> Hi everybody, welcome. I don't want to hear it. I'm Mikey, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Shane. And we're back with another one on one or five. You're not happy about this, huh? Some lists that we're gonna give you. And I'm just incensed is the word. That's fine. You're allowed to be. Let's just. God damn it. Let's just do it for God. Listen, before we do that, I have to I have to be true to myself. I have to be honest with myself. And I'm not going to fake liking a band because I'm your friend. What do you what is a what is a incredibly like. What what would you consider to be? Because see, I didn't get into Age of Quarrel when I was a teenager. I didn't get into it until I was in my twenties. Because I, like you, shunned many of the old things, except for maybe like the Clash, because I thought the new shit was better, and I just didn't really understand. So by the time I was in my late teens, early twenties, that was when I was open to the door to let all the old influences in and to like see where the shit came from. So what is a record that you swear by? That that, that I that you tell me one because I have to do this to you. What's a record that I swear by that I'm like, what, that, what, like an older record? Yeah, has to have, like an 80s record. Like an and 80s don't say record. damaged. Don't I'm say damaged. Gonna, no, I would say, I would I was going to say damaged, but I would say, um, let's see, an 80s record that I would swear by that's better than Age of Quarrel, all of them. No, I would say, I would say late 70s, early 80s, I think that uh, the self-titled Ramones is a record to swear by. I can't. Um, I, I, I love the Ramones. My so War is a record to swear by. It's a good record. Keep, keep going. Okay. Okay. Um, I think that uh, Fresh Fruit for Rotten Vegetables or Rotting Vegetables is a great album. That's a great punk. Yeah, it's album. not better than Age of Coral. Uh, uh, I w- I would make an argument that it is. Um, but we like different things. Uh, I would also say How Can Hell Be Any Worse or or anything the Bad Religion put out except for Into the Unknown was uh, are better hardcore records than Age of Coral is. What about Machine Gun Etiquette by The Damned? perfect record okay i'm i've never actually listened to the damned i'm gonna listen to it and i hope i hate it so that i can destroy your you know why day. you know why i know you won't hate it because the offspring covers smash it up at the end and we both agree that like older offspring is good so you will i think that you'll listen to it and be like i get why offspring likes this band i'm gonna find the record that you hold dear as a linchpin and i'm gonna pull it out and watch the whole fucking ceiling collapse on you i don't think that there's a record that you could do that to me with i think that you could search the to the ends of the earth and find a record and i'd be like you're allowed to not like that okay well because, because the records that i do feel like that about you also feel like that about like i like so like strike anywhere is change uh um changes the sound like that is a linchpin record for me and i know that you don't hate that record uh um, no, i love that record but there you go okay dookie insomniac those are for god freshness for god, god freshness <laughs> I'm in an ape suit. That means I don't give a fuck. Well, I'm getting paid. Everybody sit there and shut the fuck up or I'm peeling caps like bananas, motherfucker. My first band is not... Cro-Mags. Uh, my first band, uh, this band is a band that was supposed to come through and we were supposed to see them play, but they ended up dropping off a tour for some reason. I can't remember why. And that band is called Arsis. Oh, 
Ah, I remember them. Yeah. Did, they did end up playing here, though, didn't they? I don't think they did. I think they were supposed to play, and they ended up not being able to make it down here. Maybe they played later after I dropped out, but I don't think that they played here while I was listening I'm to getting them confused with that band, The Red Death. That guy had blood all over his face while they were playing. Yeah, I no, have... that's, that's cool. <laughs> Speaking of The Red Death, I have a really great photo of that guy covered in blood and Tom, like, fucking razzles dancing on him. Uh, it's <laughs> of one course. of my favorite photos ever. Steve Is took he it. juggling coconuts behind him or something? It looks like it. it it's so <laughs> it's, it's, a perfect, it's a perfect shot of Daytona Hardcore. And is one of my uh, favorite photos, and and Tom and Tom is in it, and Steve got it. A person obviously in need of some assistance, and yet people are dancing and going yeah, in the Tom, background. Tom legitimately like <laughs> grinding on him in a photo that's probably like the size of a tour poster. Like it's a, it's it's big and framed somewhere. I'll have to find it. I'll send it to you. That's a good one. So anyway. Arsis was his band. It, they were like a technical, they're considered a technical death metal band. You'll hear that kind of, or uh, like a melodic death metal band. They were on um, Earache Records. They were on Candlelight, Nuclear Blast. Members of um, Malevolent Creation, Arch Enemy, uh, Monstrosity, Ooh. Black Dahlia Murder have been in and out of this band. But they are just one of those weird bands that when you hear them, you're like, oh, I know this sound. And, uh, and they have been around since... 2000 and they are still a band they've been a band for 22 years now interesting i haven't spent a lot of time with all of their discography but i have spent some time with the record a celebration of guilt which was the record that came out in like 2003 2005 era when they were supposed to be coming down and touring and you know it's got songs like the face of my innocence and then uh, seven whispers fell silent uh worship depraved carnal ways to recreate dust and guilt like it's very much so like just standard fair metal, uh, badass. incredibly badass, incredibly talented musicians. They've gone on to put out, uh, in 2018 as their latest record, they put out a record called visitant, which is sounds awesome. Um, with songs visitant. like, with songs like, uh, uh, funereal night, uh, a funeral, funereal might death Val, um, hell sworn tricking <laughs> the gods. Um, and you're like, yes, yeah, mom. yeah, hell yeah. This band rules. They also put out a record called unwelcome. Um, they put out a record called starve for the devil, um, which the first <laughs> song on starve for the devil is called forced to rock, which fucking rules. Um, sick. The 10 of swords. That's, you know, uh, they also, in 2008, they put out, we are the nightmare. They had a record called as regret becomes guilt, which is some of their old stuff united in regret. Um, and then they had an EP called a diamond for disease. So, Anyway, go listen to Celebration of Guilt. It's a fun fucking record. I was listening to it today, and I was like, ah, yeah, yeah. I remember why I love this band so much. Um, and it is just straight up just pure, just super talented metal. Uh, to give some additional insight, the the founding members of the band met while they were at the Berklee College of Music. So that, it tells you what kind of musicians they are likely to be, yeah. which are just incredibly like classically trained musicians that are playing. Bunch of noodlers. Yeah, uh, a celebration of whoa, guilt was whoa. ranked um, top 100 death metal albums of all time by Decibel Records, really? Decibel Magazine. So yeah, what number? Uh, fifty. So right at the halfway 50? point. Halfway. Oh <laughs> <Yeah>. shit! <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fucking great. So I am gonna have to revisit Arsis. I haven't listened to them in a very long time. I do remember liking them. I, I liked a lot of those bands that were like that kind of. I feel like the bands like that kind of started as like. Dead to Fall, Darkest Hour type bands, and then they were just like, "No, nah, we're a metal band. Fuck all this shit." <laughs> yeah, and, they, fuck that and bullshit. they were really good at it. So yeah. I, I got to listen to them again. There, it's like that band, um, uh, Necrophagist. 
with they were yeah. just like really fucking good. And that band is really good. And I will never forget that band because they had um, on their liner notes they were like, we wrote these songs together, but I did this solo and he did that solo. Um, <laughs> like they were like very it matters in metal. It. it did matter. Yeah, because uh, I practice for eight hours a day to do this solo with all these little sweepy uh-huh. pickies. So while I scream, you need while to I know scream, that. while I scream, stillborn at you over these. <laughs> so anyway, go listen to Arsis. They're great. All right, yeah, I I actually legitimately will go listen to them because I totally forgot about that band. Hell yeah. Um, my band is not nearly as talented, but I would say just as punishing, perhaps. Uh-huh. Um, I, I I picked a band called On the Outside. And uh, they are, I don't know if they're named after a No Use for a Name song that I love, that we love, but um, that's what I always think of. But they don't sound like No Use for a Name. Now, this band is from Maine, so they're mad. Um, (laughs) Uh They were from Maine. They broke up a long, 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 long time ago. But they played Daytona right when they sort of came out and dropped their five-song demo. Um, Basically, the band was comprised of members of who would go on to be in Cruel Hand, but who were also uh, the guys in Outbreak. And they just had a different singer. Okay. You know, instead of the guy, they had a dude who was a little more traditional, hardcore, yeah. Freddie Madball voice. Um, On the Outside was a great, great, great hardcore band, I think. I remember when they came through, they were giving their demo away for free. And I took it home and I listened to it. And I was like, this is fucking like, this is like B9, you know, seven inch quality demo. You know, this is like, this is, this isn't some bullshit. And they're just throwing it at us. And yeah. I, I remember, I remember Colby, drummer for uh, Same Mistake and R and R and Think I Care, who lived in Daytona for a short period of time. He uh, was like, "These guys are fucking good." And then I was like, "Yeah, cool. They sound like they sound like knows her name." He's like, "Fuck you!" And then I watched the show, <laughs> and I was yeah. like, "They're really great." They sound to me sort of like if you took No Warning and you smashed them up with Leeway. Mm-hmm. So they got some cool crossover riffs, but then they got that like chonky breaks. Um, they did the one demo, five songs, and then they redid that demo and added five more songs for their one and only full length on Thorpe Records called Tragic Endings. Came out in 2005, so they're as old as years from now. Uh-huh. Um, I think the singer became a cop or something, so they ended up, those dudes started Cruel Hand, which, first two Cruel Hand records are pretty good. Don't really give a fuck now. They're like some weird, like, space skate shit. I don't know what the fuck they I are. I like the new Cruel Hand. Yeah, I don't care. But okay. they're an over. I think on the outside is an overlooked mid two thousands gem, and uh, it was overshadowed by what I would say is the eventually inferior Cruel Hand. So on the outside, <laughs> okay, they're on Spotify, um, and you got to listen to them. They're really great. If you dig No Warning, if you dig Madball, if you dig uh, Leeway, if you dig, uh, they always reminded me of Murder Weapon. Oh, that's a band I got to do one day. Murder. Ooh, Weapon. that's a good band. I love Murder Weapon. You like Murder Weapon? No, I'm just kidding. I hate you, but it's a great name, isn't it? <laughs> That's a really good fucking name for a band. Such a good name. Richmond, man. Uh-huh. TTN guys. Murder yeah. weapon. Virginia rules. I'm going in July. Cool. Lucky. So does that mean it's time for the list? The list! Okay, my... First pick is a new eatery in Ormond Beach. Um, it's an eatery. Uh, you like eateries. I also like eateries. I love and um, I love the the pun that this place, the name is, and also got a little bit of history with this place. This place is called the Crepevine. 
I think it's clever. I don't, anyway, so uh, the grapevine is a, a new Ormond Beach staple hot spot. It's not really okay. busy at all, um, but it's it's just a crepe place. It's literally you go in and they have all kinds of crepes. They have breakfast crepes, they have sweet crepes, and they have savory crepes. Um, nice. And then they have salads too, which are bullshit. But uh, so <laughs> says the vegetarian. Fuck yes, you. Fuck salads. Um, salads are just such a waste of time. Um, so you know they have standard fare for a lot of the crepes. You know, for breakfast crepes, it's egg and cheese and veggies and all that. Um, I got one called the tchotchke. Uh, which so is a savory a crepe. Uh, it's a shoe. Uh, no, it's a. It, they're actually so. That's funny that you say that. They have one called shoeless. Gross. So, uh, put so your the, gargoyles back, especially when you're in a restaurant. So the tchotchke was. A, they have a veggie patty, cheese, romaine lettuce, onions, green peppers, banana peppers, and a Cajun remoulade. Look at my face. That's fine. For you, they have the ruski, which is chicken, roast beef, cheese, onions, cucumbers, tomatoes, and horseradish. So you're just you're basically saying that I would eat the one that's like piled high with meat because I'm some kind of a fucking barbarian. No, no, okay. that's not it at all. Okay. So what would you get on your crepe if you were to get a savory crepe? What would you get? <sighs> I don't know. I don't really give. I don't really give a fuck about savory crepes. To me, crepes are supposed to be sweet. Okay. Well, like okay, when you go to the, when got... you go to what's it called? Cinnamon Tree. The fucking Cinnamon Tree uh, Cafe. New... Yeah, the place rules. Yeah, Nutella crepes. Those are delicious. Well, they have a Nutella crepe. What Apple would you say walnut you would... crepe. What would you say to a crepe that had roast beef, ham, bacon, cheese, lettuce, tomatoes, and ranch? It's too heavy. What is that? That's disgusting. I don't want that for fucking lunch or breakfast or even was, dinner. I'm at, if I'm eating crepes for dinner, I should go blow my fucking brains out. I was trying to trick you into ordering the shoeless. Um, the uh, that was the shoeless. There's all. I mean, so they have they have the annihilator. Uh, they have a bunch that you know. They have some that are like over the top and ridiculous, but they do have the sweet crepes. They have um, you know ones with banana, fresh strawberries, kiwi, whipped nice. cream, Nutella. They have um, they have the the sweet tooth, which is banana, strawberries, Nutella, peanut butter. Um, they have one that's got banana, yogurt, almonds, granola, and honey and peanut butter. So I'm like, so this place has some good stuff. Now the history that I talked about this, this place is built into. The Starbucks I used to work at. Oh. So used to be I my old Starbucks, too. Not that no. I worked there, but I used to go there a lot. Oh, yeah. used to go there. I used to work there. Um, now, do you remember how small that store was? Yes. Very small store. So, apparently, what they've done is they just blew out the back wall. <laughs> and they have they've built it all the way back. Now, I have questions about this. And I have questions about this because I worked in this store. It doesn't make any sense. What they would have had to have done is they would have had to have taken the fucking horrible septic tank room out of this building. See, I've never understood this. You've told me about that there was like an exposed septic tank somewhere in the back of this Starbucks, and you're, I just don't understand that because that is a, a a massive health code violation. So here's how it worked. Here's what this was. So I was explaining this to Mikey the other day. We had a storage room that was a separate room that was not connected to the store itself. There was no door into the storage room f- from this back secret room. It was a separate room that we had to walk out of the store and back around the building and unlock and walk into this room. Uh Well, in this secluded room in the back of the strip mall, there was another room inside of this that basically just had an open pit full of human shit. I'm not, and I'm not exaggerating that. Like, that's a real thing. And that's, we would, just so everybody knows at that God. Starbucks, everybody, if, just so everybody's aware of this, this is, I don't, I never saw this at another Starbucks, but I definitely saw it at this one. We would store like 
our holiday fixtures back there. So when we had to bring our holiday fixtures back out because we didn't have any storage room in our back room where our actual storage was, we yeah. had to pull it from this fucking room. Now, there were several times where I went into this room and there are no lights in this room except for the only light is for the shit pit room. Shit pit. The shit pit room. So you go, so you can see in, like, it's like a warehouse size. You walk in and there's like this big open room. And then there's like this side, like it's like an office where like somebody just like built a shit pit. And there would be like splatter on the walls in what that room. What the fuck? Is it from the store? Is it from the nearby neighborhood? What is it from? I don't know. And Mysterious I never shit pit. I don't want to know. I didn't. I, so so my, my problem is it's got to be gone now. Because of how, the, think how so. big the grapevine is, they would have had to have blown out the back storage room of the Starbucks that I was in and cleared out all of that room and built a space to have a back exit. And so they, so they've either done this; they've either entirely removed the shit pit and it's gone, and replaced all the plumbing, which is you know the the humane thing to do, or yeah. they have tiled over it and buried it forever. <laughs> And then one day, triumphantly, in a uh-huh. geyser of, of uh-huh. stench, the uh-huh. shit pit will once again rise, and everyone will get shit all over their crepes. Uh-huh. Yeah, and no thanks. So uh, I have questions. Now, th- that should not deter you from eating at the crepe vine. <laughs> yeah, you're not selling this place right now to our meager audience. You would never know. You would never know that this place uh, was just a burial ground for like a septic <laughs> tank that never worked. It's a pet cemetery, but if the pets were all turds. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, living poop to come back to life. It's really horrible. No. So anyway, that's Ooh. my history with it. But also, to be fair, I worked at that Starbucks 12 years ago. So oh, it's it's been that long. So Yeah, they had a pretty crack team in there when I was in there. A lot of very friendly faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they also had a grease trap that they had to clear out every now and again, too. So that was a whole thing. Maybe it wasn't grease. Very old store. Maybe Don't it was like the it. shit pit getting closer it was it was it was just the worst place to work i mean it was just a horrible store to work in well you know we're at a half an hour right now good (laughs) yeah all right so the crepe vine i would like to try it i do like crepes i don't i I don't go crazy for crepes i'm not crazy for crepes i'm not cuckoo for crepes Uh but i do like a crepe so it's a breakfast let's just thing go, for me. Let's just go to let's just go to cinnamon tree. It's better. Yeah, I'll go to cinnamon tree. It's fine. That's why this is my number five. Anyway, mm, I had a, uh, a I had a uh, salmon and lox croissant last time I went to the cinnamon tree. It was delicious. Mm, I forgot that that's a thing that you like and exists. Jew food. Okay. <laughs> now, <laughs> my mom converted. I can say that you're allowed to say that. My number five is a record that you will hate. But it is a <laughs> it is a contender for one of my. It's not going to be my record of the year because it's too stupid. But I want to say it's my it's it's a contender because it's going to be close because it's a great record. It's really fun. I was running the other night and I was fucking charging. I was like, yeah, yes. So this is the new full length for the band Gridiron uh, called <laughs> called No Good at Goodbyes. Triple uh-huh. B strikes again with another banger. So I've talked about Gridiron here before. Sound wise, um, you know, I, I always make these comparisons to certain bands, and I know that a lot of people listen to us don't like hardcore. They just for some reason put up with our banter, but mm-hmm. they definitely sound more along the lines of something like it. It's sort of like if you took the best parts, only the good parts. There are good parts. You may deny this of Biohazard, Fury of Five, 
E-Town. You took all those like rap rock sort of rap hardcore bands. Crazy Town. And you you took all the good parts out and left the majority of it, which is shit. I would say the first Biohazard record is pretty flawless. Well, the first. I consider Urban Discipline the first one. Not talking about self-titled. Never mind. Anyway, but if you if you took the best parts and mashed them together with modern sensibilities and really good musicianship, you've got Gridiron. It's like, I really dug that band Warhound when they came out like 10 years ago. And they were sort of like the embodiment of this like super thugged out shit. But uh-huh. like they did it so well and the riffs were so killer and they were such good songwriters. They did so much with such a simple canvas and Gridiron's very much the same way. The band started as a joke, so we could have talked about them last last week, but... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They actually are not a joke. They've since come into their own. Now, it features members of Year of the Knife, great heavy metallic band, Payback, eh, never in a game, eh, I don't really know. But it's the new record is called No Good at Goodbyes, and it is a sick full length, front to back. It is a ass beater. Now, the 2020 demo is great. The 2021 split with Despise is insane. Despise, not my thing, really. But this is like... I, I, try, I was trying to think of a new term for it. It's Mongo Bananas. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. When I say it's riff-heavy, I mean it's not just a bunch of slapped-together bullshit and people going, yeah, yeah, over it. It's like... When you listen to the interplay between the drums, bass, and guitar... It's not, you know, Arsis level to use a band we were just talking about. Sure. But these guys are these guys are hardcore dudes, but they fucking can play their asses off. Their drummer is wild as fuck. Uh-huh. And they really you may not like it, I'm sure you probably wouldn't, but the riffs, the vibe, and like the groove. There's a stone cold groove in every fucking song. It's just it's so good they do it so well and they take what those old bands did and they modernize it and just they make it so much more palatable for for younger people i would think yeah so every song is a memorable riff or lyric so i i I, that's all i can really say about it i'm just gonna repeat myself definitely an album of the year contender it's not gonna be my album of the year because i can't Uh, okay I cannot pick Gridiron. I picked Section 8 last year. That was stupid. <laughs> you could. It's probably going to be a toss-up between the new Ignite and uh, and 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 Wilhelm Scream so far. Man, but that Ignite record is good, too. It is good. But this is a good one. Gridiron, no good at goodbyes. Support Triple B. Buy it on Bandcamp. It's fucking good. Yeah. Speaking of Triple B, did you see that they sold out the new uh, NFG LP that they were doing in like three minutes? Yeah, you told me this. Yeah, it's great. So, all right. Uh, I'll give I'll give uh, Gridiron a listen. You will hate it. If you you will hate it, I just all you I want say. me to live react. Can we do that? Do you want to do that? I'll do that real quick. Do, do it real, real quick. quick. No good at goodbyes. Gridiron. Okay, here we go. Yeah, no, fuck that. That's bullshit. <laughs> I get why okay. you like it. Oh yeah, because I because that's all I listen to is fucking meathead shit. Shut up! No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I I've been listening why, to I, I black metal the and the Lawrence Arms. That's all I've been listening to lately. So I've been like, I've been in cold <laughs> and I've been sad. So yeah, you, Lawrence Arms is so sad. You're right. God, I was riding my bike, uh, listening to Lawrence Arms the other day, and I almost fell off. I was like, oh. was it was it the song about the guy, the the homeless guy with his pants falling down? No, I was listening to Metropole. Totally did not know that was a great record. That's the one I never listened to. That and um, Skeleton Coast, which I Dude, knew was Skeleton a great record. Skeleton Coast is so fucking good. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Beautiful record. 
of uh, no, I'm not. I, there's no way. This is a polar opposite of gridiron. Uh, so I've been reading a book lately. <laughs> Woods books. Woods fucking nerd. Uh, so uh, for so so for work, I have been reading a lot of books because we're doing a lot of different things for the podcast and stuff. And one of the things that we're doing is like this book club. And the book that we're reading for this book club is called Bad Advice or Why Celebrities, Politicians, and Activists Aren't Your Best Source of Health Information. Um, yeah. By Paul Offit. And it is so fucking good. So this is my number four. Now, uh, I think this is a really important book because this guy is a medical doctor. He is a somebody who studies and researches vaccines as like his profession. This is mm-hmm. his job. And he basically just got so sick of dealing with the stupid shit that people were saying out. He's like, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't listen to people like Jenny McCarthy or people who are like vitamin people and like why these industries are so dangerous. And so, but he's funny about it. Like, so he mm-hmm. talks about, you know, different things where he, he says, you know, scientists are bad science communicators because A, you don't you can't have good science communicators because the scientific community thinks that you are trying to be a celebrity and cash in and you're a, you're a sellout. So the science community is very much so like punk rock uh, in that regard. Uh, and then he also says, you know, the problem with communicating science is that science changes. So and people don't understand that. And then the third part of that is that people, when they hear about scientific things, um, a lot of times it is in response to an emotional thing. So, for example, he talks about going on to a show. This guy's like a famous, like he's been on like all these news shows and television shows and all that. Like he does this, mm. but he's like, he's like, everybody's fucking stupid. Like this is not like this true. Like, pretty much what it is. And it's he's not wrong. So he goes on the show and he talks about this, uh, this, this girl who was like, had like a terminal illness. And and was like suffering and the family was like providing like pumping this girl full of vitamins and all this stuff and nothing was helping. And he was like, well, of course, it's not helping because none of that stuff works instead of being like, I'm so sorry that you're going through that. Like he and he like later was like where I messed up was that I didn't appeal to the emotional part of this. Like I was just kind of like. So, and he's and I think that's what I really like about it is he's very humble. He's like, yeah, I fucked up a lot. Um, but. He, he goes on and talks about how the vitamin industry is unregulated. So if you take vitamins, stop because it doesn't make any sense to take vitamins. So I shouldn't take my men's uh, like centrum vitamin that I take every day. You don't know what's in your men's centrum vitamin that you take every day. It says it says what's in it. It says what's in it, but they don't have to say what's all what all's in it. They can exclude things because it's not FDA regulated. Vitamins? Vitamins are not FDA regulated. God, I hate this fucking world. So, so the vitamin industry is a multi-billion-dollar industry that is completely unregulated. So you could be putting sawdust into your body. And what you about would my never probiotic? Know. Your probiotic is more medicinal if it's not a vitamin. I got, hey, man, I gotta, I gotta drop trow. I mean, what am I, what am I gonna do here? Eat yogurt. I eat yogurt. Okay. So, but he, so anyway, it's a great Says book. the guy with a fucking molten lava in his chest. <laughs> yeah, I should probably eat more yogurt. Uh, I don't disagree with that. This is a nice, easy book, though. It's only about 270 pages. It's an easy read because he's just very, like, his language is very calm. It's very funny. Like, he tells funny anecdotes. He tells, like, when you're supposed to communicate science, you're not supposed to be in spaces where you're uncomfortable. And he talks about a story about how he ended up in this room where he was talking on a news show or a radio show. And and 
uh, there was a window where he could see into a room where this woman was like undressing. And he's like, this is very uncomfortable. I shouldn't be able to do that. It's like a funny, weird story. Um, but it's really, uh, it's really great. It's a really great do and don't for how to communicate and battle misinformation because there's so much misinformation out there. Um, and it's, uh, it's one of my favorite, like nonfiction books I've ever read. What's it called again? It's called bad advice, uh, or why celebrities, politicians or, and activists aren't your best source of health information. Does he talk about Rogan? Uh, he does not yet, but he does talk about Jenny McCarthy. Well, she's at. I mean, she's got her fucking uh, skin stapled to the back of her fucking head. She's out. He of talks about, line. but he talks about like Doctor Oz. He talks about Doctor Phil. He talks about all those guys. Um, and specifically, he talks about Doctor Oz and like it like gives this really great example of how Doctor Oz was testifying and had to like come out to be like, yeah, the stuff I'm touting doesn't make any sense. Like so, like even Doctor yeah. Oz had to say that in the testimony. So fuck Doctor Oz. Um, but uh, this book came out in 2018, so it was before COVID. So like. This guy was talking about uh, vaccines before vaccines were a big discussion. He was talking about it in relation to autism. He's like, it doesn't cause autism. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, when they're talking about like, oh, but we want to spread the vaccines out over like two years. It's like, yeah, but your kid will probably die of smallpox if you do that. Like, it's, yeah. Uh... And, and so he actually, so he worked at the CDC as as somebody who studied uh, immunizations. And so he works and he goes into the science of like, this is what a vaccine does. This is how it's designed. Da, 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 da. He's like, the misinformation out there is so bonkers, but you have to appeal to people's emotions too. So it's a really good, it's a really good, I, I would make an argument. You could tell his bias, like he biases towards science, but he's also mm. very funny about it. And he's very like humble about the things in the areas he's made mistakes in. So it's a really, it's a really good book. It's really interesting and it's an easy read. Okay. You think he'll do like an updated version where, he talks about like ivermectin. I took the ivermectin. It was great. I love the ivermectin. I take the ivermectin every day. We should all take the ivermectin. I hope uh, well, if if that were the case, what he would do is if the, the book would be like it's bad advice, the sequel, and you would open it up and it's just him shooting like blowing his brains out because like the guy is like so smart and so science forward that like there's no way that he'd be like now nah, fuck that too. Yeah, so. we really have lost our fucking minds. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's unfortunate. great, and, and this is a whole book that tells you why. Hey man, we're not at we're not you know we're not at the the peak of civilization. We're on the downswing. We're going mm-hmm. out. Oh yeah, this is Rome. This is Rome in the last days. This is us. This is the I mean, look what we're aqueducts. doing. Look what we're doing. We don't make a lot of money doing this, but we talk to each other once a week, and somehow we make money. Celebrities, chefs are celebrities. This is it. This is the end. It's the yeah. end. Yeah, it's dumb. <sighs> All right, my number four. Mm-hmm. To get real um, dumb, my number four is a video game. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, a couple uh, a couple months ago, before Elden Ring came out, we'll say, more than a few months ago, I was playing Metal Gear Solid 3, and I was really digging it. I never played the games growing up, never really gave them the time of day. Everyone's like, there's long cutscenes, and I'm like, that sounds stupid. And I, I was playing through 3, and I was having a lot of fun. And then I stopped because I had all that unfinished business with Dark Souls and Sekiro sure. and whatever. And then Elden Ring came out and then my mind exploded. Well, I've been playing Elden Ring for two fucking months, three fucking uh-huh. months almost. And I'm still not like halfway through it. Really? I've been I've been doing all the stuff that I can. I don't I, I could have probably shot straight to the end, but this that's just no fun in that. There's just there's literally countless things you can do. I can respect my character and just become somebody completely different. So 
that's neither here nor there. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've been reading a lot. I've been trying to watch more movies. I've been exercising a ton and like riding my bike and stuff. So I don't have all the time in the world to play video games. But lately when I do, I've been playing the original Metal Gear Solid. That is my number four. Oh, cool. That Wait, uh, the original for PlayStation? Yeah, not uh, Metal Gear Solid, not Metal Gear, not the NES games. Because I didn't okay. like those. I still don't like them. I don't think they're good. They're boring. There's so many other g- great Nintendo games. When Metal Gear Solid interests me is with the first 3D entry on the PlayStation, which came out in 1998. I always saw the cover. And I was always like, eh, I don't know. I don't really give a shit about stealth, tactical, whatever the fuck it is. And I just always passed it by for like Silent Hill or Resident Evil or God of War. Now, I don't know what it is about these games. They're tedious. Yes. They're so tedious. They are. But I like them. So... I decided, originally my thought was, a couple months ago, I was like, well, I want to play them in chronological order. I'm going to play three, and then I believe it's two, and then I think one, and then four is the last one, or like five is before four. I don't remember, but it doesn't really matter. Then I said, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that at all. I'm going to start with the first 3D entry, just like everybody else did. Metal Gear Solid on PlayStation. I got the Metal Gear Legacy Collection with everything from one through four, yeah. on it for PlayStation 3 because I still have my PlayStation 3. Quality console, don't get rid of it if you have it because they're getting very expensive. Uh-huh. Now, I've been playing the first Metal Gear Solid and I've really been enjoying it. It's top down. The graphics are very primitive. It's 3D, but like bad 3D. Yeah, yeah. It's polygon- and, uh, polygonal, right? Yeah, it's very polygonal, but you know, we, the buttons don't make sense. Normally you can pick up the sticks and like it makes sense. You know, sure. when you pick up a modern game, you know, you got your analog sticks, you got, you know what the X button does. It's your, it's your use button, whatever, you know, the trigger shoot. It's not like that. You have to sort of relearn things. Plus I'm holding the old PlayStation 3 controller and I'm used to holding my PlayStation 5 controller. Right. But, I'm just having a good time with it. It's frustrating as hell. There's this part, <laughs> there's this part halfway through where, okay, so you have, <laughs> you have to go and rescue Meryl, who's like this double agent, whatever, from Sniper Wolf. And uh-huh. you're, you get to this point and you have to run back to get a sniper rifle. I, you have to go in this room where there's these guards patrolling and it's like there's all this loot, like all this ammo and stuff in this room, but you're supposed to just get the sniper rifle. I'm like, I want to get all the other stuff. Right. So I died like 20 times on it and I'm sitting there on my couch. I was sick all weekend. I had a long weekend from work and I'm sitting on my couch like, why? What is this? <laughs> like, are you kidding? I didn't die that much ever in Dark Souls or any of these other difficult games that I enjoy. Now... I eventually got past it, but there's just something about the Metal Gear franchise that is sort of calling to me now as a as an adult. There is great characters, great crazy bosses. Yes, it is like a stealth game. Some of it's set in the Cold War. Some of it's set in modern times. Some of it's set in the future. But everything has this distinct style to it, like mm-hmm. the villains, like Psycho Mantis and Sniper yeah. Wolf. It's pretty badass. It's kind of like because it's 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 a hard learning curve. It's like the <laughs> Dune of games. Yeah, 
you know, you, it's very difficult to get into, but once you, you're in, you're locked in. So my thought was, you know, I, I got, a, you know, in about a month, I got summer vacation coming up and I got a lot of stuff planned, a lot of things I want to do, a lot of creative stuff to work on, Wasteland Season 2. But <laughs> uh-huh. when I do play games, if I'm not playing Elden Ring, I'm going to try to play through one through five. I'm going to finish one before before then, but I'm going to try to play through two through five before the end of the summer because I'm really psyched on it. I'm really interested. It's like it's sort of like black metal and Dark Souls and Dune. I'm like, I like things that are difficult to like. I don't know why. Yeah, you do that a lot, actually. I, I don't try to. It's not le- legitimately me saying, like, I want to be a contrarian. I just, I look for, I guess I look for cool stuff in weird places. I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, I remember, I remember, I, I do remember thinking the story for Metal Gear is like really interesting. Like the, especially the Metal Gear Solid stuff. Um, I always really thought the Psycho Mantis um, storyline was cool and like how you had to beat. I think it's Psycho Mantis that you have to beat. It's kind of a wacky way to beat him. Um, you, have to, you have to plug the controller into the second port. <laughs> yeah but like, like you you can change that digitally on the on the the version i have but back in the day you had to unplug it and plug it in the second port yeah that hideo kojima the guy who created metal gear and death stranding like he's just out of his fucking mind and he doesn't care he doesn't yeah. care if you get it he just does it and even though that can be frustrating sometimes i do like that in someone who's a creative so yeah Metal Gear Solid. I'm I'm new to it. I'm sure there like if Mike Osborne's listening, I bet Mike Osborne knows how to fucking get through the whole game without alerting anybody. I bet uh-huh. I bet he can do that. Yeah. But for me, it's new. I'm digging it. I really like it. I want to play through all the mainline entries. So check it out if you never fucking have. I never I'll, did. I always like that noise, that alert noise. <laughs> Dude, it it gets you going. You're like, oh, oh, like shit, shit, go. Yeah. Oh no. And most of the time it means instant death, but sometimes you can get out of it. My number three is a band that I discovered. It's not my record of the list, but it's a band I discovered that I think that you might have an interest in. Um, mm. I'm not sure, so we'll see. This is a this is one of those things uh, that is like a superstar group. It's like one of those punk supergroups and stuff. But I think that you'll appreciate all the members because you like all the bands that these guys are in. Okay. So this band is called Beach Rats. Have you heard of Beach Rats? You know, I saw something about them today, but I won't I won't say anything. You go you tell me who's in it. Okay, so Beach Rats is made up of drummer Daniel Windus, who was in Spanish Bombs. Uh bass player Brian Kynlin, who was the bass player for Bouncing Souls. Uh oh. Pete Steinkopf, Bouncing Souls guitar player. Nice. Brian Baker, guitar player for Minor Threat, Bad Religion, da da da. There he is again. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. Uh and the singer Ari Katz. There you go. Yeah. The guy. The guy. The lifetime guy. So, uh, <laughs> so what I really like about Beach Rats is like when you go look them up, like their first little bit, it's like, a f- it feels like a very old, old school, like, or even maybe like a, like an early nineties type of punk rock band where like the artwork is very like flash drawing tattoos. Like it harkens back to stuff like, uh, epitaph and, you know, fat wreck and like some of that early stuff, uh, in, in terms of the look. 
Mm-hmm. They have like a like a grungy looking cartoon rat, like a black and white rat that's like their logo. They put sure. out the the Wasted Time EP on Bridge Nine, but they recently just put out um, uh, a single that they're they're announcing their full length. So they're, they're, this band is coming out with a full length. I forget what record label it's on that they're coming out. I think it's maybe Epitaph. Hey, that would make sense. That's nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. So let me, let me pull it up real quick. Yeah. So I'm stoked for them. Um, they're, they have a new song called Rap Beat, which is awesome. Um, I think that's fantastic. And then let me, let me pull up, uh, let me pull up their news real quick. I thought that, I thought I had that pulled up. So, uh, I saw it today. Um, I saw like the cover or something and I saw it said Ari Katz and I'm like, really? Cause I yeah. feel like I've heard of this band before they were on bridge nine, but they haven't done anything in a while. Yeah, they haven't done anything until since 2018. So they did like a little EP, but they got back together and they're doing this. And so uh, their their full length is going to call is going to be called Rap Beat. So Beach Rats Rap Beat, um, okay. and uh, it's pretty good. It's not it's not great. It's not anything that's like mind blowing. It's not something that's like you know out there going like, oh fuck yeah, you got to listen to this. But it is a lot of fun to listen to, and it is like very old school <laughs> punk. It feels like early. It, there's like a little like an early lifetime feel to it. Did you? <laughs> the way you sound like it's good it's not great you sounded like there's an episode of sunny where dennis like talks about he's like some i'll just say something he did on a trampoline with christy with uh christy orlando and Uh he's like it was good it wasn't great it just wasn't good at all but i knew it was going to be fine (laughs) that's fair that's fair i do that every now and again i would say go listen to the waste of time ep it's it's fun to listen to. It's interesting to hear all of them together. It's great mm-hmm. to hear uh, Ari Katz singing again because I, I always like the stuff that he's involved in. And yeah, I so, love his voice. I love his voice. His voice is great. And uh, and so and I and I pretty much you know anything bouncing souls I'm here for. And and I do like Brian Baker right now. Uh, if you get a chance and you're on Instagram, Brian Baker on his Instagram page is doing one minute guitars, one guitar in one minute. And so he like will pick a guitar out of his collection and explain it. And it's really funny because what he does is he slides onto screen in a rolling chair, like and he can't control it. So like he slides on and like ends up flying off the the you know the the stage or the you know the the screen. So it's it's interesting because he talks about like the history of his guitars and stuff like that too. So uh, anyway, that's my number three is Beach Rats uh, the band, and I'm really excited about that. I'm excited to see what they do. So is it the guitarist and the bassist of Bouncing Souls? Yeah, nice. It's What's the, the bassist's name? The... Is his name Joe? What is his uh, name? Brian. Brian. Okay, it's Brian nice. and Pete from Bouncing Souls. I love, I just love when you hear, like, when, when everything cuts out on a Bouncing Souls song and you just hear him chugging away. It's one of the best things ever. His bass is, that's, that's like probably my favorite bass tone. Like, uh, especially from how I spent my summer vacation, that doom, 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 doom. Yeah, man. I love, man. His, summer vacation, anchors away, those, god damn. Uh, you know, it's funny. The other day, Argyle came on. Um, uh, Ethan's been really into the Bouncing Souls lately. Like he's walking really? around the house. Yeah, oh yeah, he's been walking around house and uh, around the house going, "Ole, ole, ole, ole!" <laughs> like he thinks it's hilarious. But he said his favorite song is "Hopeless Romantic" by the Bouncing that's Souls. A good one. I'm like, that's a good choice. God, that's a good one. And Argyle came on. And I was like, I can play that. And I grabbed my bass. I was like, and he was like, what? Like, and so I've been showing him that I know, like, cause he listens to a bunch of these punk songs. Cause like, like we're taking him to see, we're going to go see newfound glory. He's going to go to see newfound glory. Ah, okay. And, uh, so, uh, so, but he likes less than Jake. He loves less than Jake. And so when I play like less than Jake songs, every now, the only song I can play is Johnny quest thinks for sellouts. Um, because Roger's a fucking crazy guitar player. The other day I showed, 
uh, I showed Ethan Maxwell Murder on the the Play It Loud that we did because that's the newest Play It Loud. Uh, and I was yeah, like, yeah. I was like, Ethan, watch this, and I was like, he's like, what? <laughs> like he's like, so it's been really fun to watch him kind of discover those bands and be like, yeah, no, we saw these bands, we played with these bands, you know, stuff like that. So your son's actually impressed by what you can do. Yeah, it's he's nine, so like, give it time. Like, <laughs> give it time. He will not care. Fuck you, Dad. Fuck you. I don't need this, Dad. All right. Well, for my number three, I mentioned I was sick. I had a three day weekend. Uh, we, we were everyone was off on Monday, um, and I spent much of it on my couch. Mm-hmm. I decided I was going to knock some movies off my list. I watched the Planet of the Apes trilogy, the new one. Oh, it's good. I watched all three of them. Man, it was good. That was my number three. So it's Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and War for the Planet of the Apes. Uh And Matt Reeves, of course, director of The Batman, directed Mm -hmm. the last two, which I would say are probably the best ones. Not that Rise isn't a good movie, but there's just more action in Dawn and War because that's how the story unfolds. Now, I... I grew up watching pl- the first Planet of the Apes. I always loved that movie. I I dig it. You know, seventies sci-fi movies always tend to end on that like horrific downer. You know, mm-hmm. you maniacs. Family yeah. Guy always did a, a joke about that. They did like a cutaway joke. It's like this is like a seventies sci-fi movie, and they like show like a, a woman who like. She's like, oh, we're finally free from the corporation. And then she takes her face off and she's a robot and shoots the guy. And then they pull uh-huh. out and there's like a weird sound and a weird yeah. song. It's all those movies ended that way. But I, I saw bits and pieces of like Beneath the Planet of the Apes and whatever, the 70s movies. But I put off watching the new ones, even though they looked really good. The trailers look great. And I mm-hmm. recently just watched them all boom, boom, boom in a row. And I got to say, I love them. Um, I've really been since I got back in since I really got into Dune. I've been seeking out good sci-fi to watch and to read. When I I'm taking a break from Dune right now. I'm taking yeah, a yeah. week break because I'm about to start. I am about to start Heretics of Dune, and it's like a hundred pages longer, hundred pages longer than God Emperor, <laughs> yeah. and it's also like a thousand years in the future. So I have no idea what the fuck is going to happen because the yeah, way yeah. God Emperor ended, I was like, oh my god. But anyway. If you have not seen them or you're just like fucking gorillas with machine guns, what the fuck is this? You really should check it out. They ground the entire story in reality the way that the main ape, Caesar, Mm -hmm. goes from this little tiny baby monkey to being the leader of an ape revolution. (laughs) It's almost believable. And they did it before coronavirus, obviously. Rise... It, there is a there is a sort of pandemic epilogue that you see the human race becoming infected with this simian flu, and you look at how it spreads, and you're like, "Holy shit, that was uh. just like COVID!" Like, I hope nothing worse happens. Also, this is no good. Chimpanzees are terrifying creatures in general. Yes. They will rip your arms off. Monkeys are not cute. Like, I mean, like, they're cute, but, like, don't get close to them. They'll rip your fucking face off. Yeah, they are, yeah. They are crazy creatures. But, so, they did... One of the things that I thought was so interesting about the new Planet of the Apes movies is how they did it. They didn't do it in costumes. They did it in motion capture, the way they do video games. Andy so, Circus, they baby. had the... 
they had yeah, Andy Circus. They had these great actors portray the main apes in motion capture. And Andy Circus, who, you know, he played King Kong and Peter Jackson's King Kong. He played Gollum in The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. And he played Alfred in The Batman, Matt Reeves. Yeah. But he does such an incredible job with Caesar. And you really, by the end of it, you don't even give a fuck about the humans. You just want the apes to survive. You want the apes to live. You want the apes to thrive. Fuck humans. Yeah. So I I have to say that like I dug Rise. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely a bit more of a traditional kind of it's not even it's a sci-fi story, but there's nothing really intense in it. Right. I do like when Caesar sort of he it, like in prison, like he takes over the monkey sanctuary. Yeah. The way he does it is sort of like, you know, getting the bigger guy to fight for him. <laughs> it's really <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah. Um, but the guy Rocket, the the other monkey Rocket that he has the beef with, he becomes his lifelong friend. So I, I dug I dug that Rocket was a part of it throughout the trilogy. Now, when Dawn happens, and you literally see war with the apes, the scene where the apes descend on the colony of humans, yes. carrying the machine guns, riding horses, like it's wild as. Fuck, I really <laughs> dug it. I thought it was awesome. And then War for the Planet of the Apes is definitely like the downer one. Like it starts you like, oh my God. Oh God, it's so awful. What's happened? But I I, I love the way that they ended the trilogy, set it up. It, it really, it dovetails with the first one with yeah. the original Planet of the Apes. It shows how the apes took over Earth and it seems even plausible. The special effects are insane. The acting is insane. There's a good big name actor in every single entry. You got James Franco and John Lithgow in the first one. You got Gary Oldman in the second one. And you got fucking Woody Harrelson as the evil colonel in the third one. So they knew what they were doing. I just didn't watch him. I don't know why I didn't, but I'm so glad I did. The new Planet of the Apes trilogy, bad ass. You know, it's funny because I didn't grow up watching the original uh, Planet of the Apes. I mean, I knew I'd seen it. I'd seen it yeah. with uh, Charlton Heston and all that. And you're like, you like, I remember that. Um, you blew but, it up. But you know what? The thing about Planet of the Apes that sticks with me the most more than anything else, and this is indicative of my entire life, is mm. everything that I lived through and everything that I experienced is filtered through The Simpsons. So right. I don't know if you saw the episode of Simpsons where they went to the Planet of the Apes, the musical. No. <laughs> so the uh, this, the thing that sticks with me is the song they sing about Dr. Zaius. Mm. And it's like, Dr. Zaius, Dr. Zaius. Dr. Zaius, Dr. Zaius. Is it oh, like Amadeus? Dr. Zaius. Yeah. So it's Amadeus, Amadeus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dr. Zaius, Dr. Zaius. Yeah. So uh, it's it's just that's that's what sticks with me with that. So. My number two is a new show that's on Disney Plus that I have really enjoyed, and that is Moon Knight. Mm, do tell. Have you? Did you ever read any Moon Knight comics? A little bit. Matt gave bit. me one of them a long time ago. He's like, you'll like this. And I did. I did. And uh, true. So Moon Knight is really great. So Moon Knight is interesting because it is the he's a he's a superhero. My favorite thing is that his first appearance ever was in Werewolf by Night. 
So like, uh, so he was a character in Werewolf by Night, which is great that like another auxiliary, auxiliary character in Werewolf by Night was Moon Knight. Hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, Moon Knight is Mark Spector. Mark Spector is a Marine, Special Forces, um, and a mercenary, and he also has multiple personalities. So he suffers from DID, and he on a, on a, on a raid. Um, in Egypt, he is left for dead and is revived by the Egyptian god Khonshu, who is the god of the moon. Well, in the Marvel Universe, the god of the moon enlists these avatars, these the, like human beings, to be the fist of Khonshu, who essentially inflicts violence upon people as a form of justice. And so... Moon Knight Badass. wears all white, and he is just like the Punisher, but imbued with the power of the gods. Mm. Like, it's the same kind of thing. So, but he and Punisher don't get along. As you can see the panel behind me. For patrons, you can see the panel. And I'll, and I'll read that the, the back and forth with them in a second. Oh, that's the Punisher? I thought that was Kingpin. No, that's the Punisher, and it's fucking great. Uh, it makes it so much better now that you know it's the Punisher. So, the thing with him, though, is that he is he's got four alter egos. Four personalities. He's got Mark Spector, Stephen Grant, Jake Lockley, and Inner Child. So I don't know much about Inner Child, but the other three uh, are interesting because when he becomes Moon Knight, depending on which personality he is or is kind of living in in that moment, the Moon Knight character is a little bit different. So the Mark Spector is more of the like the vigilante superhero. Um, Stephen Grant is Mister Knight, which he he shows up at like detective like uh, at crime scenes wearing like a white suit and like gloves, like mm. he's like very like well dressed. Um, and then Jake Lockley is the hyper violent one that just like beats the fuck out of everybody and mutilates everybody. So like, there's like these, and they all have different costumes when they come out. So super interesting, super great. I think Alan Moore did a whole line on, uh, on moon Knight That was really, really good. And so, uh, it's really, really interesting. Mind blowing. Uh, it's fucking great. Um, so, Oh, Oh, and Jake Lockley is a taxi cab driver. So Steven Grant's a billionaire (laughs) businessman. Jake Lockley's a taxi cab driver. And then, uh, and Jake Lockley is the suited consultant, Mr. Knight. So now I, what I, what I really like the show is featuring Oscar Isaac. He plays Poe Dameron in, uh, the star Wars, the new star Wars trilogy. He plays Paul Atreides father in Dune. I know you're going to say it. Duke Leto. He plays, he plays apocalypse in the, uh, X-Men movies that we like to forget. Yes. And so, so it so the the show is done great, and the villain is um, Ethan Hawke. Who does he who, play? He plays um, Arthur Harrow, who was a former Fist of Khonshu uh, and like a cult leader. It introduces Ethan Hawke as this cult leader who is trying to resurrect the the Egyptian god Sakmet, who just uh, like was was banished by the Egyptian gods because she just likes to drink human blood. That's so, word. Word, get metal. Ugh. So, but it starts off. The first scene is Ethan Hawke breaking up and shattering like bottles of glass, mm-hmm. and like putting them in the tiny pieces, and then pouring them into his shoes, and then walking on broken glass in his shoes as part of like his cult leader status. Mm. He's like very measured in it, very like calm and quiet, and he is fucking great in it. So it is. Uh, he's a really good villain in this, um, and he's like he's weird tricked cult the leader. gods, weird cult leader. 
tricked all the gods into like working for him instead of against him. Uh, yeah, so, you wouldn't expect like Manson to do that, you know? Be no, like, I don't wear shoes. My shoes are my feet. I got feet for <laughs> shoes. Feet for shoes. Ha! Hoo-ha! So, I know that. What I want to share, though, are there are three panels that people know Moon Knight from. Two okay. were edited, and they have made the rounds because they are so ridiculous. There's one where he's throwing a bunch of different things and knives and glasses and all that, and it's just a thought bubble or a speech bubble that says random shit, random bullshit go. I've seen it's that, like, yes. Okay, you've seen that. My, my favorite one is a, a panel of Moon Knight walking down the stairs, and it says, I know you're here, Dracula, you big fucking nerd. Where's my goddamn money? <laughs> <laughs> which is an edited panel, but it is very funny because a, there is like a storyline where Dracula does owe him money and he doesn't remember why. Interesting. But my favorite is the panel that's behind me. And so, like I said, Moon Knight, Punisher, don't get along. So mm. it goes back and forth. Punisher says, hello, Mark. You still crazy? And Mark Moon Knight says, a uh, little bit. You still murdering people? And then Punisher says, little bit, how's your imaginary God? And then Moon Knight ends it with, he's good. How's your dead family? <laughs> Shit. Oh, God. So, so that's the thing I like about Moon Knight is Moon Knight is like very like sarcastic and just like fucking mean. Um, and the whole thing is he wears white because he wants his enemies to see him. Like, he says that specifically. He's like, I want them to be afraid. I want them to see me. I want them to fear me so deeply that they will never, ever, ever do this again. So he's like Batman, but he also kills people. Yeah, I was going to say, doesn't Moon Knight, he doesn't have that code. He kills people. No, he kills people. He's a mercenary, but he also, like, he, he's he got the fear part, but he doesn't have the line part. Like, it's like Bat- if Batman and Punisher were one character. Okay, cool. I like yeah. that. It fucking rules. It's great. So anyway, that's my number two. The show is very is done really really well. Like they do, it's it's a lot of fun. It's like very much so. The show kind of has like an Indiana Jones feel, mm. but with like Egyptian gods trying to like take over humans and stuff. It's great. Is it as action packed as the Daredevil show? It, I would say it's on par with that. Okay, because when it comes to Marvel, like I loved the Daredevil show. I never saw season three. I got to do that. I never finished the first season of The Punisher. I would like to do that because I liked Burnthal as The Punisher. Mm-hmm. And I like the character of Moon Knight as well. So those might be the three Marvel properties that I watch that I really get psyched on. But I, I haven't yet given them the time. You know what's funny is I think that you would like WandaVision because it goes through decades of sitcoms. Yeah, I, I know. I was tempted, but it was just like I've missed so much in the extent in the MCU. You know, like it's like visions there and then No, fucking... I can catch you up. I can catch you up. Here's what it is. Wanda's a witch, vision's dead. That's okay. the whole that's that's how that's all you need to, to go into WandaVision. It's just I have a lot I'm I'm in the middle of the center right now and I'm watching the wire for like the ninth yeah. time, so I got you. I got you. So yeah. anyway, Moon Knight is really good. I think you I think that you would actually like it. I will try to check it out. I'll have a lot of time this summer, so yeah. I will try to check that out. He beats an Egyptian hell dog to death with his bare <laughs> hands. I like that. That's pretty In good. a bathroom. It's great. Well, where else are you going to do it? Am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, for my number two, speaking of lore, it's time for another installment of Dune for Dummies. Oh, fuck yes. Dr. Huey, do you have any information on the worms of Arrakis? I've obtained 
A film book of a small specimen, only 125 meters long. Only. I have chosen as my topic for this installment the Fremen. Now, there are no spoilers for Frank Herbert's Dune until I tell you. There'll be one at the end. Not a big deal. Uh, and it's 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 really not even for Dune. It's for the later books. And as I've right, said right, before, right. Does, does anyone have the tenacity to get as far as I have gotten in the Dune saga? You talk to me. You let me know. Yep, not me. I don't have that. Because by the end of the summer, I'm going to be done with Chapter House and my brain will explode. Yeah, now, a lot of a lot of information. So when it comes to Dune, as I've said before, there are a lot of things that you need to sort of, you don't need to know them, but it helps to know them before you actually sit and read even the first book. Now the Fremen, integral. They were humans who adopted the desert planet Arrakis or Dune as their home, though technically dusty. they're not natives. Yes, dusty. It's very dusty. F- the Fremen were an integral part of Muad'Dib's or Paul Atreides jihad they were basically his army of desert ninjas yeah yeah of course now the fremen they lost their actual history over the millennia but they believe they are descended from the zen sunni wanderers okay which is a group of islamic humans who originated actually on earth long before the events even preceding dune took place this is ancient history Yeah, yeah 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 for sure earth history so they are formidable warriors. They're able to take on the Emperor's elite Sardaukar forces. They're sort of like the DMS of Arrakis. Yes, very scary. If Arrakis was one big Sandy Hardcore show. Yeah, yeah. Now, the Fremen are known as tenacious survivors and also for conserving their water. No moisture for anybody else but us. Exactly. They don't shed tears. They now, don't sweat. Even they do, but I'll get to that in a minute. Now, to waste the water of, like, shedding a tear, that is seen almost as a sin. And when a Fremen dies, it is said that their water belongs to the tribe. So their bodies are broken down in liquid for the tribe using a death still. Ooh, that sounds uh, worse whiskey. It's pretty gross. Yeah. Now, Fremen are known for their signature still suits, and that reclaims their body's moisture. So when they sweat, they sweat into the still suit. If a still suit is functioning correctly and you're a piece of shit Fremen, if you can't get your still suit nice and snug and tight, only about a thimble full of water is wasted a day if your still suit is, focus- is, is actually functioning correctly. Now, anything beyond this and you're, you're a garbage Fremen subject to Amtal or ritual combat to the death, and you have to do it without still suits, naked. So the winner literally gets to drink the loser. That's so, uh, disgusting. Now, Fremen, they live in collectives, like a bunch of dirty, deadly hippies. And these collectives were called Sietches. Sketchers? Sietches. Sietches. And they were led by a Naib. Mm. Now, Stilgar, who you who Javier Bardem portrayed in the new movie, he was the big Naib. Stilgar, the leader of Sietch Tabor. And he was also Paul Atreides' right-hand man throughout messiah and children of dune now sietches are typically located in sparse rock formations formations i said formations 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 in the larger desert now besides the naib the reverend mother is also integral to the fremen siege community 
These witch women, they give Stevie Nicks a run for her money because they actually become oracles after drinking the water of life, which, as I have said before, is the last liquid exhalation of a drowned sandworm because see, sandworms don't like water that kills them. They take in the water of life and then they sort of regurgitate it baby bird-like for everybody in the Siet. Gross. And then everybody basically like trips balls. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> so the Fremen... They consume a, a, a ton of the spice melange, which is the, the substance that keeps the Dune universe going, at least in the first three or four books. Now, the Siet, and we know that, the, as I've said before, the melange it smells like cinnamon. So basically, it's a lot of cinnamon and B.O. together. So like patchouli. That's what it, yeah, that's what a Fremen smells like, probably, is patchouli. Now, Sounds horrible. The constant use of the spice turns their eyes blue. So their mm. irises are blue. Their whites of their eyes actually become blue. It's called blue and blue eyes or the eyes of Ibad. Mm. It's a lot of made now, up words. Well, yeah, it's all made up. Now, the Fremen religion <laughs> has shades of Islam in it because they are, they are you know descended from the Muslim people. At least that's what Frank Herbert seems to be trying to tell us. But they adapted into the religion, the worship of the Shai Halud, this great sandworm of Arrakis. They revere the worm as the physical manifestation of God. Okay, so that's their that's their big thing. It's, it's no longer Muhammad or whatever would be handed down throughout the centuries. It's the Shai Halud. Now, sand God. Yeah, Sand Guy. Sand guy. I hate you. So... Of course, also including the Shia the Bene Gesserit, that spooky bunch of broads, they also instilled in the Fremen the prophecy of the Mahdi, or the prophetic savior that will one day transform Arrakis into a paradise. But that's a whole other kettle of sand trout. We can't really get into it right now. <laughs> now, as you learn, and it is an education, mm-hmm. in the later Dune books, now some spoilers here, so... Skip ahead about a minute and a half. I'll wait. You, that's not how spoilers work. You tell them I now. I understand. And I'm then giving they... them a chance. To, I'm giving them a second to skip. Okay. Now, some spoilers here. The Fremen led Paul Atreides' jihad to take mm. over the universe, mm. as you see in Dune Messiah, resulting in the deaths of billions of people. Too many people. Too many people. Now, things get pretty wacky schmacky after the jihad when Paul's son who is pre-born, which we talked about when we talked about that on the last Dune for Dummies, he basically decides that he is going to become a sandworm-human hybrid despot, and he decides that he will now rule the universe as the god-emperor Leto II some 3,500 years after the events of Children of Dune. Basically, what he does is he controls all the spice because, as the Harkonnens did before, those who control the spice control the universe. Of course. And the sandworms are dying because Dune is being terraformed. So spice is the most rare commodity as well as being the most valuable commodity in the entire universe. It's like saffron. It's more than saffron. So what basically what Leto does is he controls the spice. He doesn't let anyone travel off their planet with space travel because we know that you need the spice for the guild navigator to pilot the Highliner ship. His whole purpose in this is called the Golden Path. It is to show people that they should not worship leaders. So he does this by being the at most asshole leader he could possibly be. Okay. And he's also a worm. So yeah. during this very strange time when most of Arrakis is terraformed into a, into a forest, the original Fremen ways are lost, which lead to what are known as museum Fremen. 
Mm. which are basically poser Fremen. <laughs> so <laughs> it's sort of like a colonial Williamsburg reenactor if they were like psychic desert assassins. Uh-huh. They still wear the still suits for style, but they Ugh. don't like cinch them the way they're supposed to. So it's sort of like when a crust punk wears pants that have been ripped open by a rabid dog wearing a bandana. Yeah, 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 I got you. So that's just some facts about the Fremen. I hope you... You know, the spoilers didn't ruin it for you. I I told you to skip. If you didn't skip, fuck you. But as you go into Dune and you actually read it, I'm trying to prepare you because nobody prepared me, okay? When you open that first book and you're like, the Fremen? I thought they were called the Freeman for the longest time. I didn't realize Mm -hmm. they were the Fremen. Yeah. The, 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 The traditions, the culture, it all helps in your understanding of the overall narrative. So that's going to do it for this edition of Dune for Dummies. Join me next time when I get into the face dancers and maybe those sneaky, sneaky Ixians. (laughs) Okay, good. That was good. I, I, uh, I do, I do enjoy the spoonerism of Jenny Bezeret though. Yeah. Jenny Bezeret. Jenny Bezeret's good. I don't like the sound. I don't like it. I'm going to use the voice. Sorry, turn it off. <laughs> turn it off. That's, that's like Jenny Bezeret's. That's the worst voice. I don't like it. <sighs> Stop it. <gasps> Is it time for number ones? Number one. <laughs> As you all know, I always put a record on my list, and you will have noticed by this point in time that I have not had a record on my list. That's because my number one is the record, and that is... Surprise! The newest Wilhelm Scream. Do tell. is so fucking good. Now, here's the thing. My only gripe with this album is that it takes about two minutes to get into. There is like kind of like a guitar kind of thing. And they are a guitar band. They are for sure like it's just a musician's band. Sure. Um, the first song is like this kind of slow, like atmospheric guitar. But the first song on it, pretty fucking killer. So it really is a three-minute song, but there's a two-minute intro. So mm-hmm. it looks like it's five minutes. It's not actually five minutes. So this album is called Lose Your Delusion, which is a great <laughs> title for an album. I like it. Uh, they have... Songs called uh, Give Me the Shakes, uh, A Big Nasty Was Its Nameo, Yo Canada, Figure Eights in My Head, Apocalypse Porn, Lose Your Delusion, and Downtown Start 2. Here is the thing. I have liked Wilhelm Scream since you've introduced me to this band. I have thought did I introduce I, you to them? You did. You you introduced me. You gave you told me to go listen to Ruiner, and I was like, fuck yeah. Um, ah. And that has been, to this day, my favorite, my favorite Wilhelm Scream record so far. That was a good one. However, I think this is my new favorite. Wow. I think High it's praise. better. High I praise. I think it's better. Here's what I'm going to say. There is a change in tone with this band. I will say that. There's a little bit of a change. They are way more melodic on this record than I think they've done on the other ones. They're not quite as technical, so it's not as like kind of showboaty, noodly that you would find. There's, it's still there, and it's still beautiful. They just fucking tone it down in a way that makes it so that it's like not pretentious not that they were ever pretentious but this is definitely like a level where it's like you they know they're good and they don't have to show it off so much Mm. and i really like that um there's not as many like really aggressive hardcore songs on it like some of the more the faster more thrashy songs there's a lot of really good melody on it and a lot of really cool lyricism on it one of the things i really like is it seems to be about friendships and relationships and about kind of connecting with people and dealing with mental health stuff and so um and being very grateful for the people that are around and i don't know that they've really done that in a way like so overtly 
in other and on other albums. Like for example, on uh, Downtown Start Two, which is the last song on the record, there's this big part where it pauses. It's like, "Hey, Craig." Thank you so much. And like it's like a really fun, like kind of big crowd, like you know, big gang vocal over it. Um, there's some whoa, there's you know, Wilhelm scream fashion. There's woes. There's there's a one song. There's one song where it just goes woohoo, and it's like so fun. It's just a fun <laughs> little thing. But I I have to tell you, like the, it just every every song on it is just a fucking banger. Every single song on it, and. I would say this is the first Wilhelm record that I've liked every single song on it equally. Hmm. So the other ones okay. I'm like, ah, I could get, I could do without a song or two, but this one I'm like, fuck yes. Now I want to give you a sample. Give me the shakes is my favorite song on it right now. Cause it's like got this cool, like kind of like mid paced, um, uh, vibe to it. Like, I just love the lyrics. Like the, the chorus is, um, you know, the only difference is your attitude is killing me. I hope your shitty feelings go away. Give me the shake. Give me the shakes. Uh, I'd say, Hey mate, heap. Thanks. Uh, like it's kind of like goes on and it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Like the, like it just kind of does this like weird, funny little chant, um, in the middle of it. It's like, give me the shakes and stuff like that. But, um, kind of like I'm living in a German compliment tonight was shit. Last time was very great. Like it's kind of a weird, like there's weird lyrics like that throughout it. Mm hmm. One of my favorite lines in it is, let me find it. It's from the song Yo Canada, which is a lot of fun. But it talks about touring. So it talks about touring Canada. Uh, yeah. And it's like, it does that thing. Like, you you do this too. Where in your lyrics, like, you do callbacks and, like, inside jokes. And there's a lot of that on this. Um, but it specifically starts off with uh, the song Yo Canada starts off. I ain't going to sleep. We got tour tomorrow. Band's all international now. 95 northbound. And I'm like, oh, that's my favorite direction to drive on 95. But it's <laughs> nice to kind of see that it's there. Um, uh, we'll be gigging in the town of Three Rivers, London, Brampton, Guelph. Uh, and he kind of talks about kind of being very thankful for touring in Canada. Um, and there's like these weird little kind of in jokes in there. But there is a song on here, and this is the thing that stuck out to me today, and I realized that I was kind of like, why do I, why does it sound familiar? There's a song on here called, I believe, let me make sure it's the right one. I think it's, I'm going to work it out. Let me, let me just check real quick. Yes. So it is, I'm going to work it out. And it starts off with this really cool kind of bass line. There's like these moments, like you, and you've done this, like I said before, like you'll do these call outs and like, we'll put like something in the song, like. He mm-hmm. mentions somewhere that the bass player, he mentions the bass player's name and the bass player just does this like thing that he does because he's fucking great. But on on this song, I'm going to figure it out or I'm going to work it out. It sounds like it's on the Bill and Ted soundtrack for Face the Music. It's like it's got this guitar part where it's like it sounds very epic. It sounds like the song that brings everybody together mm. in Face the Music. And I was like. Fuck yeah, that rules. It like feels really good, and it just reminded me of like if you've watched Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Uh, is is it Bogus Journey or um, Excellent Adventure? I can't remember which one it is, but the end of it, they have the Kiss song "God Gave Rock and Roll to You." Like it gives me that feeling, and I don't know why, but it's kind of like it feels like an arena rock song, which is weird. And you, you when you hear it, you'll know what I mean. Okay. Um, I don't know how to explain it other than that, but man, it is a it is a perfect record. It is good from front to back every song on it's awesome um i would strongly recommend going to listen to um uh akishnet avenue at night which is the first song um give me the shakes yo canada figure eights in my head and downtown start two those are all primo songs uh some of the best songs i've ever written well i definitely got it queued up i love that band so i uh i have it i'm gonna definitely listen to it i just haven't gotten around to it yet it's it's a contender for my record of the year Mm. I'm sure it'll beat Gridiron. I'm sure. 
My, uh, close second so far. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> so, anyway, that's my number one. Wilhelm Scream's Lose Your Delusion. It's fucking great. It's it's them at their best. All right. So I'm listening to Arsis and a Wilhelm Scream tomorrow. Hell yeah. All right. Well, for my number one. Now, I was home yesterday. I was sick. But I started to feel better. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, I got to do it. So I went on Fandango. Uh-huh. And I bought a ticket for the 250 showing of Robert Eggers' The Northman. Oh, yeah. It looks awesome. It is awesome. So <laughs> I went yesterday afternoon to watch this movie because I love to go to the movies by myself. Mm-hmm. I love to go in the middle of the day because there's nobody fucking there. And I... It's there were a couple of people in there. There was this like woman who kept going <coughs> and I was like, you know, what the fuck is this? But whatever. It, it yeah. was fine. She only did it a couple times, but I saw the Northman. Okay. And here's what I thought about it. This is my number one. It is incredible. Epic. Visual. Stunning filmmaking. And I was blown away by it. Robert Eggers, I've seen his other movies. I've seen The Witch. I've seen The Lighthouse. I love The Witch. I think it is a fantastic horror movie. Uh-huh. I like The Lighthouse. I love the way he handled the Lovecraftian elements. I love how stylized it was. I love the performances. It's a, it's a, it's a dense movie. It's tough. It's tough to get through it. But it's a good movie. And that's what I like about this guy. Metal Gear... Dark Souls, black metal. He doesn't give a fuck. He's like, here's what it is. Here's my vision. Mm -hmm. And if you can't hang with it, then fucking pound rocks, man. Like, (laughs) he's an auteur. Uh Ari Aster is the same way. He doesn't give a fuck. You you thought Midsummer was too slow? He's like, yeah, uh, whatever. I'll make I'll make a movie on a handheld camera. I don't give a shit. Jordan Peele, even with all his mainstream success, he does not pull his punches either. Have you seen the trailer for Nope? Do you have any idea what that fucking movie's about? But it looks incredible. Yes. I love that. I love that. And you don't... The Northman... Basically what the Northman is, for anyone who doesn't know, it is is Robert Eggers with a budget. He didn't really Uh, have a budget for The Witch. The Witch took place in a fucking cabin, basically. Mm-hmm. cabin in the woods and the lighthouse took place in a lighthouse oh weird this takes place in the north in iceland in scandinavia in hell it's just bonkers so much like his other movies it's a simple setup it's just a simple thing revenge that's what it's mm-hmm. about good you have you have a young boy whose father is killed his father's the king and he flees before he can be killed to come back to one day get his vengeance. Except sure. in this movie, it's Prince Amleth, the bear wolf, who ah, wants his revenge yes. on Fjolner, the Raven King, for killing his father, King Arvindil, the war raven. Hell yeah. How fucking sweet is that? So metal. This is the most black metal movie I have ever seen. I walked out of the theater. I got in my car. I immediately put on Storm of the Lights Bane by Dissection because it has that feel. 
and, and Robert Eggers is known for his period perfect interpretations or as, as close as we can get, like the way the clothes and the witch looked, you wouldn't notice it watching it, but like they were authentic. The same mm-hmm. with the lighthouse. And here, what you have is you have this Norse warrior revenge movie, but there's this underlying cosmic fucking mythology. It's like, everyone's on acid you see the Valkyries. You see, I got one behind me. Patriots. Yeah, so that's scary. The, dude, that's that's a Valkyrie from the Northmen. You see Odin. You see what, like, what they, they have this vision where they, they, they think they're becoming wolves and they're howling and screaming and they see Odin. And it's like, it's bananas. There, there is definitely like a sort of Jodorowsky, like, heady you know, acid trip to it as well. It's not just violence, but the action, the action is, is amazing too. the brutality of this movie. There's an early, there's an early scene where the main character, he's part of this sort of Viking raid on this village and they just lay waste and it is wild. Yeah. They're all wearing like wolf pelts and, and like basically thongs and boots and they just howl like animals and they run in with their axes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Some berserker level shit. Yeah. The way that they were able to capture like the primal brutality of what a Norse warrior was. I'm not even talking about a Viking. I'm talking about something that is like much more connected to like Odin and the runes and the blood and the fire. It's right, like, right, right, right. The movie's divided up into chapters, and much like his other movies, if I'm not being mistaken, I haven't watched The Witch in a while, but a quick aside, if you haven't watched The Witch, it is such a fantastic fucking movie, and I don't understand why people thought, people it's too slow. You're too fucking slow. Your brain's too <laughs> fucking slow. Because when you see that final scene, when things are revealed, and you're like, oh my god, it's almost hereditary level so good. But at any rate. He divides his movies up into chapters, and each chapter, this it's like it's like in these runes, and then it shows the translation below. So it's like you know the early chapters it tells you like where it happens, where it happens. But, but there's one chapter where it just pop, the runes pop up, and then under it it says the night blade feeds. <laughs> That's so like, scary. I heard that, and in my head I went yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the I was in the back row like oh my god and I was in there with a bunch of older people there was no young people in the theater and I uh-huh. don't think they got it I don't think they appreciated it the attention to detail the the epicness I mean it's it's an epicness I haven't seen since Dune since the Revenant I mean it's the sort of thing that like spiritually it's like blood meridian brought to the screen it's so vast and epic and big and 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 just blood soaked and crazy. There's so much fire and there's so much blood. It's just, it's perfect. I think it's it, it, it's <laughs> it's not it's it's not my favorite movie of all time. But I think for what it is, he did it perfect. This is Robert Eggers with a budget, and uh-huh. I've heard that it's a commercial flop, which just shows you the toilet level that so many people are at because it's just oh, I wonder what I wonder what the flash is doing can I watch another movie with the flash no no this is th- these are these are men who are bound to the runes and Yggdrasil the world tree this is plucking your eye out for all the knowledge in the world I mean it's just 
I'm getting carried away. (laughs) I've heard it was a commercial flop. Robert Eggers, he's probably never going to get a budget like this again. So you must see it in the theater. You must see it to appreciate true filmmaking. Support the ones that do it for real. Robert Eggers, Ari Aster, Jordan Peele. I'm going to see Nope when it comes out in July. Matt Reeves, even. I know he's more mainstream, but that was a fucking, that was a, that was a, 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 a chancy take on Batman. And he's like, fuck that. That's the story. That's what we're doing. I don't give a fuck if it's three hours and it's slow. You can go fuck yourself. I love that. That's what I want more of. You let me decide if I want it. Don't, don't mold it for me. Don't mold it for what you think I want. I don't even know what I want. I didn't even know I liked Metal Gear. You let me, <laughs> you let me decide. You put it in yeah. front of me. I'm so sure. tired of this shit where everyone's just like, I don't think people are going to like it. Who gives a fuck? People are stupid. The Northman is beautiful. It is a beautiful, beautiful movie, and you should see it in the theater, and that's all I have to say. Okay. I like it. I, I mean, I want to see it. It looks incredible. It's a world without shortcuts. There are no shortcuts to this. He does not hold your hand. He does not spoon feed you. He says, here's what it is. If you can't understand that they are chanting to Odin and they are talking about literally turning into wolves right now, even though they're not because they're all fucked up on mushrooms, then get the fuck out of the theater. Like you don't deserve it. You don't. When you see the guy with no nose chow down on a heart. I mean, you're not going to see that in other types of movies which is why i love it so ride to valhalla like a fucking warrior spirit Mm -hmm. i support it i'm here for it i am fucking here for it (sighs) okay so are you good are you good i'm good okay so countdown all right countdown Number five, The Crepe Fine in Ormond Beach. Serve me up a bird man, Sammy baby. Uh, number four, Bad Advice by Paul Offit. Don't read this. Just watch Logan Paul punch himself in his own face. He'll do the same. Uh, number three, Beach Rats, a new supergroup made of all of your favorite bands and Spanish bombs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, number two, Moon Knight. I don't know what to say about this other than it is it is a wild Egyptian ride. It is Indiana Jones with mental health. It's the mummy with DID. It's the mummy with DID. That's perfect. And then number one, Wilhelm Scream's Lose Your Delusion. I got that Mona Lisa Secret Center grin. I got that Muddy Water song stuck in my head. I knew there was a reason I got up this morning. Hope this feeling never ends. I want to mix it up while I still can. It's doing figure eights in my head. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Rack and roll. Rack and roll. All right. Good list. My number five, No Good at Goodbyes by Gridiron. We might not see eye to eye, but I'll gouge yours right out if I hear one more lie. (laughs) Number four, Metal Gear Solid. A name means nothing on the battlefield. Now play this part 80 times, you piece of shit. (laughs) number three the new newer planet of the apes trilogy it's the story of monkey jesus in three parts (laughs) number two dune for dummies the fremen this is the bond of water we know the rights a man's flesh is his own the water belongs to the tribe 
You bitch. <laughs> Number one, the Northman. The night blade feeds. <laughs> and you, and it's so sad that you had to go to the movie with so many posers. So many posers. Posers everywhere. <laughs> so fucking good. Oh, uh, man, what great list. This was a great week. Yeah, it was good. All right, so um, I don't have any announcements. We should we should definitely shout out the patrons. Uh, but yep, yep, yep. we're going to put one at the top before we do this, and that will be Amelia Andrews, because today Ooh. is Amelia's birthday, the day oh, that we're shit, recording. Oh, is. I forgot. Yeah. So happy. I, I, so, so I texted Amelia yesterday, because I have a calendar reminder. My point is, is that it is Amelia's birthday, and we have known Amelia for several decades. So, uh, happy birthday, is... and we appreciate you and adore you. So, literally, uh, nineteen ninety eight, summer nineteen ninety eight is when I met Amelia. That's a long time. Yeah, best friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's uh, Animorphs was big back then. All right, so uh... <laughs> Shut the fuck up, you piece of shit. All right, I'll so... text her. I just, I just completely forgot. Also, yeah. I don't know what day it is where she lives. So. Uh, it's tomorrow where she lives. <laughs> it's tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So Mike Osborne, Laura Crosby, Kate Neal, Amelia Andrews. Happy birthday. Uh, Matthew Fisher, Jessica Crane, Mario Cipriano, Christian Purley, Nancy Crozier, Emily Lawson, Jessica DeMarco, Casey Crawford, Brian Stewart, Tyler Lagasse, and Joe Regano. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, guys. So. Yeah. Um, real quick. By the time you're hearing this, the newest Wasteland special will be out and up. It is my first special. I will have another one uh, before the summer and prior to season two. This is special number one. It is called Underworld. Follow me at Wasteland Pod. You can get it on anything you get your podcasts on. It's there. Please listen to it. If you like it, share it with a friend. I like it. It's uh, I haven't listened to it yet, but I do like it already. I think it's a good episode. It's one of the ones I'm very proud of. Uh, it's a little spooky, and it's kind of sad, but it's spooky. And uh, I really like it, and I hope you guys enjoy it as well. Good. Good. We'll we'll definitely make sure everybody can see it. Yeah, so, we'll post about it on the I Don't Want to Hear It shit, but hell yeah. post on my And Instagram, we'll post about it on the WND stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's all we got. So I guess, uh, I guess that does it for this episode. Yeah, so that's going to do it for us this week, guys. We are going to be back next week with the start of a new deep dive that we're excited about. Uh, But until then... Annihilate this week. Hail, Dwayne! And good night, Taco Bell Joe, wherever you are. Do you think that Taco Bell Joe saw the the Northman? Buddy, let me tell you something. That little girl riding on that horse... With her crazy braces and her fire in her eyes, buddy. It scared me. I tell you what, it scared me. Valkyries, buddy? You don't get Valkyries at Taco Bell. I can't with the Valkyries. <laughs> what if the what if the Valkyries came in through the line? Buddy, I mean, I'd have to serve them because I give excellent service. But I'll tell you what, if that one guy brings the Nightblade through my line, we're going to have a problem. Old Joe can't let the Nightblade feed on him. I barely got enough for me, let me tell you. (laughs) I like that Joe's getting more and more disgruntled as we go. I don't know what to do, buddy. You keep talking about me on this show, and I... (laughs) (laughs) Bye! Bye!
If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at I Don't Want to Hear It Pod. You can find us on Twitter at IDWHI Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at I Don't Want to Hear It Podcast. Check out our website at I Don't Want to Hear It Podcast.com. And if you follow the link, it came from the beach. You can hear all our old bands and the bullshits that we did. You can check out our publishing company at WNDPress.com. And if you would like to submit a work, or get published with us, uh, you can email us at info at wndpress.com. If you'd like to reach the show, you can email us at idwhipodcast at gmail.com. Send us your feedback. Send us your information. Let us know what you think. Please consider supporting the show. Check out our patron. You get all kinds of cool bonuses, including discounts on merchandise. You get bonus episodes like our Play It Loud and our Talk Among Us episodes and all kinds of goodies. We make a bunch of playlists for you all, too. Find us. It'll be great. It'll be great.